0: Welcome to The Weekly Beat by Mansa, with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings and welcome to uh, Mansa's uh, The Weekly Beat, of course, powered by Mansa Media. I'm Arnold Segawa, and as always, uh, many thanks for making time to speak to us, and uh, of course, uh, uh, listen to us, of course, if uh, you're listening, you are uh, speaking to us in one way or another. As always, I'm joined by my partners in crime, Maggie Mutasi, uh, joining us from Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, Dumi Jerry. Uh, I think is back in Johannesburg. Dumi, let me start with you. Where, where are you now? You know you're a man of the
1: world. <laughs> no, I'm back in Johannesburg uh, this week. Uh, well, it's Easter weekend, so yeah, time to, you know, kick it back, relax a little bit,
0: prepare for the new month. Definitely. Maggie, how's Nairobi treating you?
2: Really great. You know, I've I've come to realize that all the time we give updates on COVID, every time there is a WhatsApp in Nairobi, but uh, it's business as usual. Uh, just realized the first quarter of the year is already gone, and uh, out of the blue, you realize it's you know less than ten months left, and uh, yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, some uh, terrible news that uh, we actually had to cope with. Um, it happens to be uh, what happened uh, in the past uh, few days, which happens to be uh, at least 9,000 people who have had to uh, flee uh, from uh, Palma to other parts of uh, northern Mozambique. This has obviously been making rounds across the world. Uh, thousands still believe to be displaced within the Palma district. Uh, this, of course, comes uh, after the assaults on Palma. Uh, this happens to be a latest in a string of jihadist attacks in uh, the northern part of Mozambique. That began in uh, 2017. So far, more than 2,600 people have actually died from the raids. This has spanned close to uh, three years. And it it comes at a time when, uh, of course, uh, the globally renowned oil and gas uh, player, that's Total, planned to invest close to 20 billion US dollars in a liquefied natural gas plant located near Palma and uh, has since had to actually uh, suspend construction. Um, let me start with uh, with you, Maggie. Uh, your thoughts on this, obviously. Adumi, you can just jump in whenever you can. Uh, your thoughts on uh, this particular jihadist attack?
2: It's really sad, first of all, but also looking at Mozambique and uh, the fact that uh, you know I don't want to use the word poorest, but it's still a poor country. We have to face it. I know a couple of years they were anticipating 100 billion dollars in investment into. Uh, developing these natural gas uh, resources. And you've mentioned $20 from Total. But uh, companies like Exxon also, you know, had not yet, of course, made their investment decision, but they had, you know, they were being anticipated to put in a massive investment. So when there is insecurity like this, it's affecting investor confidence. You're looking at a country which is economically struggling and relying on, uh, you know, this natural gas to turn around a lot of things, its date. So when it comes with um, insecurity, it also comes at a cost. I know that for now, Total has actually put a hold on its uh, investment, asking the government to actually protect their entire um, area where they've been developing. That alone is coming at a cost. And, you know, every delay in an investment like this is also cost in terms of revenues for the government. Uh, you know, in terms of even its own citizens in Mozambique.
1: Dumi? Yeah, so I think I got to agree with, um, with you, Maggie, there, that Mozambique had planned uh, really to achieve, uh, call it middle-level income status, um, on the back of uh, this um, liquefied natural gas discoveries. Um, and so they were really banking on this uh, to uplift the socioeconomic conditions of their people. Um, now, when we take a look back a little bit at uh, how this whole thing started, um, Cabo Delgado, uh, as well as, you know, uh, neighboring Nyasa are countries' only Muslim-majority provinces. And so about five years ago, the youth decided to rebel because they felt disaffected. Uh, they f- they'd fallen out with the Mozambique uh, Islamic establishment because despite the huge mineral and other resources that are available in Cabo Delgado, uh, it 's still the country 's poorest province, and many of Muslims feel discriminated against and so the rise of this insurgency has uh, has, has has been a long uh, a long time coming if we put it that way they 've essentially resisted any relationship between uh, the Muslim community and the state, uh, stressing that only Islamic law should be obeyed it 's almost like a disenfranchised youth that are trying to find their voice, uh, albeit uh, using um, methods that are unacceptable, uh, according to me.
0: Dumi, just uh, to follow up there very, very quick, um, we do see that uh, Sasol actually uh, agreed to sell their uh, gas plant. Uh, they have this accelerated uh, disposal program. And of course, you're no stranger to SASL uh, being one of the gems and the blue chip uh, companies on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Now, this happened, I think the deal was finalized uh, in December last year, selling the 175 megawatt uh, gas-fired plant uh, to Azura Power for close to $145 Do you get a sense that some people saw the fire coming and they started to dispose off?
1: I think so, because um, it wouldn't make sense just for Sassel to abandon the exploration block. Um, They knew exactly how much they stood to gain from it, but I think weighing the risks and all the other factors involved in the transactions, uh, they decided to take a step back. Um, And it's looking like maybe it was a properly calculated move or a move that's um, whose risk averseness of it uh, is sort of now paying off. Um, With these companies uh, like Total, I don't think they fully evaluated the risk element going into um, this region. Uh, Yes, they've been similar call it um, insurgence attacks, particularly in Nigeria, where Total also has um, investments. So they should have seen this coming and they should have known what they were getting themselves into. They, they should have had a better um, risk matrix factor. Uh, but yeah, for Sasso, I think it was a calculated uh, move after assessing the risks it.
0: Maggie, on to a, a question that uh, we've actually battled with for uh, I think over a decade plus. Is the risk in Africa a myth?
2: Now, let me just bring it um, back to Mozambique. Uh, Its economy is $25 or even less than that. So for a country like that, that is betting on $100 I mean, there are lots of things factored in. And the risk is um, coming back to how it's going to affect them. We can look at it in a long term, in a short term. I mean, we don't know how long this is going to take. The fact that big investors like Total have already evacuated their people. Uh, it's not going to be just a walkover to get companies like this to resume their operations. Uh, companies like ExxonMobil that have been actually yeah, about to make their investment decision, they so much anticipated with their Qatar investment. Now, you know, with this risk in Mozambique, it's possible they could pull out or delay their investment. Now, in the long term, of course, it becomes more expensive, you know, especially the fact that you have to factor in security costs. Especially if you're bringing back these investors, this is money the government has to actually pay uh, to give that confidence that the country is now secure and all of that. Now, you have fixed costs. These are going back on the government. It's not on the investor. But if you look at it in the short term implications, especially with Mozambique, which has had issues with its sovereign date, I mean, the government had guaranteed uh, a lot of uh, investors with this particular investment, because this is the single largest, I think, investment in the entire continent. So Mozambique is expected to pay a sovereign date in the next four years. But if we have this insecurity going on for all these years, it's expected also to have a ripple effect on the investors. Now, first of all, they might default on this date, which is very possible and it will actually happen. Which is really, really very, very bad for them to default on Eurobonds. You can't take that away. And it's gonna take them a couple of years to close that gap or to even convince the investors that is is secure to come back and invest in Mozambique. Mind you, they hadn't raised that money. We're talking about only one company that had confirmed the investment, 25 billion from total. So the rest is going to be really a challenge to raise that, you know, crippling back to to the citizens, to the government revenues and all of that. Now, to come back to your question, Arnold, I think um, Africa itself, especially these rich countries, their potential is immense. But the risk is really high. The question is, and I think this is something I'm going to bring back to you, um, is the risk worth for some investors? Maybe yes, maybe not. But this we see every now and then, especially when it comes to some of these fragile economies. The investment potential is immense, but the risk and the you know the the insecurity in most of these is absolutely crazy. And I could say, is then this what investors look for? You, you tell me. <laughs>
0: Well, don't don't get us started on high-risk, high-reward and uh, CFA and uh, and, and betas, and we might start going on to beta and uh, alphas and, you know, the IRR of of, uh, the investment. Uh, But you do raise an interesting point, you know, uh, the quantification of the risk at the end uh, of the day is then priced into the ultimate matrix on pricing of whatever product that uh, you will be putting on the shelf at the end of the day. So I think that would be a debate for a, a whole podcast, but I'm always criticized or I get in trouble for asking or making such statements like uh, uh, the toothless dog on the continent, which has uh, the, the name African Union, uh, came out on Thursday in a statement and said the Africa Union uh, chairman, um, Musa Faki, Uh, had to say that, uh, quote unquote, condemns in the strongest terms uh, the terrorist attacks. And, uh, you know, the the likes of South Africa, President Sir Ramaphosa is uh, busy sending in Mm. troops and, you know, trying to ease the situation. And someone is uh, sitting in Addis Ababa and is condemning the attacks. Now, uh, is this the time for us to uh, bring back the debate of a standing army to uh, uh, fight this kind of situation and not have a Boko Haram situation in mm. the next five years, do me, then Maggie, over to you with your final thoughts.
1: Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's time for a standing army to be in place. Uh, just like it is the case in um, ECOWAS, um, SADAC does not have uh, something similar. and I think that's the easiest way to come up with a standing army. Take it per region, per region. Um, you mentioned that president from has sent the South African National Defense Forces uh, to sort of stabilize the situation. But in reality, it's to actually look after or try and evacuate uh, the South African nationals that were caught in the middle of this war. Um, President Masisi of uh, Botswana uh, visited President Lungu of Zambia as well as President Mnangagwa of Zimbabwe in this past week, trying to drum up support. Um, since they are in charge of the organ on uh, politics and defense, as well as uh, peace and security. And one of the things that President Masisi was trying to get from uh, President uh, Mnangagwa is how to get uh, support in terms of uh, the military to also go in, the Zimbabwe military, that is, to also go in and stabilize the situation. Um, I feel as if uh, the uh, SADC is just the same as you, the they just really statements. They're not really taking forceful action uh, as it would have been had uh, one of the countries been in West Africa. The countries would have rallied together and gone in. Um, but uh, we remain hopeful. I suppose that's the most we can do uh, that um, at the end of the day, um, something should uh, come up and hopefully there'll be stabilization in the in that region uh because i mean often above all of this there's so much displacement of um the local people that uh, reside in those areas and mm. um it's not a nice thing to not have a home
2: yeah just to add on what you've said do me like you mentioned there and it's to definitely uh be forces that uh could, could help in this of course everyone would expect the african union uh to intervene but uh, maybe we're being too hopeful and expect too much from our body like the AU. However, it's not just that region. I mean, we've seen the insecurity in the, in the Sahel that has been around for ages. Up until now, um, countries like Mali or Niger, you know, are countries that uh, you would say the risk of, you know, uh, of investment or the insecurity itself has I don't want to use the word persistent, but it's been ongoing on. And and if we haven't even solved um, that in that region, then it questions the capability or even the power of the AU in solving what we're seeing in the SADDAC. Of course, countries like uh, South Africa that have intervened, they're intervening to help but also to evacuate their citizens. Now that's different. So yes, there needs to be... That body, I think, we expect so much from the AU. I don't want to call it a toothless dog, Arnold, but uh, there's so much <laughs> that is expected, especially, <laughs> especially now that they are pushing for for open trade across the continent. You cannot want to create the biggest trade block globally when you have insecurity in your own continent. I mean, if the AfCFTA mm-hmm. has to get on the global sphere if it has to compete with the not compete but to be at the level where we're looking at the EU which we actually say the EU failed we would love to be better than that, then so much has to be done in terms of security. Mm-hmm. You cannot open borders. I mean which African businessman or trader is now going to travel to Mozambique. It's everything and it's it's at the heart of humanity. It is the at the heart of business. It is at the heart of trade, investments and it is going to destabilize the neighbors because if you have Mozambique really where it is now, then think of the, the countries that are surrounding it. It's destabilizing the region and, mm-hmm. you know, um, at, the, at the whole, we, it's going to destabilize the continent. So, yes, and yes, I think the African Union needs to do so much, but maybe we are expecting too much. It's a conversation we can, we can tap into and see.
1: No, I just think that there needs to be more action and less talk. So it's quite disturbing to see that, uh, you know, these uh, bodies are quiet. I mean, for example, Sadak, um, they met in Harare last year in May and they promised to come forth and support Mozambique and nothing has happened. And then this, there needs to be more action and less talk.
0: Definitely, a, a story. Less meetings and more action. Uh, definitely, uh, something that uh, we've we've mentioned time and time again. I'm afraid uh, we're really running heavy, guys, um, and we might have to uh, put a pause on it. We will continue uh, giving you all the uh, the latest news and uh, all the developments, uh, investment wise, and uh, economic financial news across the continent. Many thanks to my co-hosts, uh, Dumi Jerry in Johannesburg and Maggie Mutasi in. Robbie Kenya I'm Arnold Segawa and uh, here well let me just say that uh, uh, we do mean what we say we uh, do not make uh, empty threats as always if uh, you missed anything in uh, the course of the week you can always check out the website that's uh, mansa media. Africa or uh, just check out uh, Mansa underscore Africa on Twitter for me and the entire gang have a lovely day the weekly beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa. Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.